0: Okay, we are in chapter five and David is king over Israel. And in his first move as king, he conquers Jerusalem. And then we saw the verses, how his star is growing. The nations are paying him tribute. Hiram from Tyre builds him a palace. And then we saw a quick rundown of King David's family situation. He took wives and concubines, had a bunch of children. We saw a list of his kids who were born to him which was in addition to the children who were already born to him in Hebron. And that takes us to verse 17. It says like this, And when the Philistines heard that David was anointed as king over Israel, all the Philistines, that means they went up. That means they went up for war. To get David. To David. And David heard it El and he went down to the stronghold. So the Philistines are going out to war against David. Now there's a dispute among the commentators right off the bat here. When was this? Is this after David conquered Jerusalem? Because according to the verses, it is. David already conquered Jerusalem in the first couple verses. Now the Philistines are coming after him. That's what it sounds like. But most likely this happened before David conquered Jerusalem. This is going on as the Philistines are trying to stop him from conquering Jerusalem. And you can see that in the verse a little bit. It doesn't say when David conquered Jerusalem, the Philistines started to attack him. No, it says, How does it start? The Philistines heard that David was anointed. Now they're going after him when he got anointed. So that's before he even started conquering Jerusalem. Okay, so what's going on? Why do the Philistines want to get David? I mean, up to now, they left him alone when he was king of one tribe in Hebron. Well, up to now, they did leave him alone. After all, he was just a king of one tribe in Hebron. And not only that, the last they saw him, he was like a little subsidiary of the Philistines, right? He was with Achish. He almost fought a war against the Jews. So they didn't see him as a threat. It's true that they didn't trust him to go out to war with them against Saul back then but they didn't see him as a threat when he was king of one small tribe in Hebron. Plus, they benefited from the civil war between David and the house of Saul. That was good for them. But now that he's king over all of Israel, now he becomes a threat. Now they see his kingdom as a potential danger to their sovereignty in parts of Israel. After all, they're holding on to all kinds of parts of the land of Israel. Remember, after they defeated King Saul and his army, On Har Gilboa, now that was a while ago, but that war at Mount Gilboa, they took over parts of Israel and they want to hold on to it. And so that's why the Philistines might want to, at this point, nip it in the bud so David doesn't give them any problems and doesn't try to conquer back those cities that the Philistines have conquered. Now, according to some commentators, there may be a connection between the Philistines and the Yivusites. And again, if you heard our previous uh, Shirim, In this chapter, chapter five, we had that whole war of David against the Evocites. And the Philistines are now very active in trying to prevent David from conquering Jerusalem. Because again, you can't read this verse in a vacuum. What preceded it was that David conquered the Evocites and conquered Jerusalem and established himself in Mitzvah David. So the Philistines are trying to make a preemptive strike against David so he doesn't get there. Now, where are these Philistines coming from and where are they going? Well, it says up kolaplishtim to get David. That is, they came from the south. That's where they're from, from Gaza, right? And Ashkelon and Ashdod, and they're going up, as it says veyalu. They're going up levekeshet David to capture David to kill David. And it says that David heard it and went down to the Mitsuda. Now, when you first see that, you think of the Mitsuda is Mitsudat which we mentioned previously that he established the city of David and Mitsudat and all that. But mitsuda just means a fortress or a stronghold. And in this case, because this probably happened before David conquered Jerusalem, which again is most likely because it says the Philistines heard that David was anointed. That's what triggered them to attack, not because of Jerusalem. So David hasn't conquered Jerusalem yet, most likely. So he went to the mitsuda. We're talking about another mitsuda. A mitsuda is a fortress. And we saw when David was fleeing Saul, there's plenty of those in the Judean desert. And that's probably where he went. To repel this attack. And so we are going to have a showdown between David's army and the Philistine army. And David is in the Mitsuda, as it says, and the Philistines are going to spread their forces in this place called Emek Riphaim. Let's look at the verse. Uplishtim And the Philistines came via Nachu and they spread out Emek in the valley of Riphaim. And so this area that they spread out, it could be in Nachal Sorek, which is today the area of Beit Shemesh. But if we're saying that this battle took place before the conquest of Jerusalem, then most likely we're talking about the area of Yehuda. That's where they spread out to stop David in Beit Lechem. And that's what it looks like in Chronicles that they probably spread out their forces now and their soldiers in Beit Lechem. That is, they set up a base there, a fortress there. Now, why would they spread their forces in Beit Lechem, in Bethlehem? Because they're trying to prevent the other Jews who are living in Northern Jerusalem to come and help David who at this time was still in Hebron. David has to go from Hebron to Jerusalem and they've put a whole bunch of soldiers in Bethlehem. So David is on his way from Hebron to Jerusalem. He's going North and the Philistines are trying to block his path at Bethlehem as he goes North. They're trying to block him so we can conquer Jerusalem. Now, if you go by the sheeta that this war happened after David conquered Jerusalem, then you have to say that the Philistines are coming now from their cities to try and throw David out of Jerusalem that he'll reconquered. Okay, so what's David going to do now? And David inquired of the Lord and he said, Shall I go up against the Philistines to attack them? Will you deliver them into my hands? And the Lord said to David, Go up. For I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. Okay, so King David has the Urim and the Turmim, high priest on his breastplate, those stones. David has that at his disposal. He has Evyatar, the priest with him. And he's asking, should he go out from his fortress to Emberg where the Philistines are? And then he asks Hashem a second question. Will you deliver them into my hands? That is, the first question is, should I strike them now or should I do it another time? And secondly, if I do strike them and attack them, will I win? That's what he's asking. Now, I think it's really important to understand that David isn't asking whether it's halachically allowed for him to go to war or not here. He's just asking if it's the right time because we're talking here about a Mohammed mitzvah, an obligatory war, and you don't need permission from the urim and the Tumim for that. And I mention this because it's a very common mistake, especially in the Haredi world. What do they say? They say, yeah, in the Tanakh, in the Bible, they went out to war. But today, we can't go out to war like that. We don't have prophets. We don't have the Urim and the Tumim. And therefore, David could go out to war, but we can't. And that's why everybody just sits and learns in Yeshiva and doesn't think it's a mitzvah to go out to war or they think you're not allowed to because we don't have the Urim and Tumim. And they point to these verses and they say, look, David's got the Urim and Tumim. That's why he goes out to war. And so I want to bring down what it says in Masechet Brachot, Tractate Brachot, page three. This is a very famous uh, piece of Talmud here. It says that when David went out to war, he would consult with Achitopel. That's his major advisor and the Urim and the Tumim. And Rashi says there, why did David consult with Achitopel? So that he can know the proper strategy and tactics to go to war with. And why did he consult with the Urum the Tumim? What does Rashi say? To see if he would succeed, if Hashem would deliver the enemy into his hands. So David wasn't asking permission to go. He knows it's a mitzvah to go, but he had the luxury of Ahitopel, who was a brilliant genius advisor, and he had the Urum and the tumim, and he used it. So it's not like you're not allowed to go to war if you don't have a ur- and tumim. How do we know? Because the Rambam brings in the laws of kings that there's something called a melchemet mitzvah. There's an obligatory war that you have to go out and fight. And the Rambam defines what constitutes a melchemet mitzvah, an obligatory war, a war against Amalek, a war against the seven nations, or any enemy that's giving you trouble, especially inside the land of Israel. So again, you don't need the urim tumim to fight a melchemet mitzvah. Okay, let's see what happens in verse 20. David be'bal pratsim, And David came to this place called Baal, Sham David, and David smote them there, and he said, He says that the Lord broke out against my enemies like water breaks out. And that's why this place where David smote the Philistines there, it was called by the name Baal Peratzim. In English, means to burst forth. Okay, so David comes out to meet the Philistines in this place called Baal Peretzim, which eventually got that name because David gave it that name. And it's not clear where this place is located. But we see that David named this place on his victory in battle, Baal Peretzim, which literally means the place where things got blown up, meaning Hashem blew up the Philistines in this place. The Philistines got swept away by a tsunami over here. That's what it means, paratz Hashem Hashem blew my enemies <laughs> away before me, mayim, like water that washes things away, like a tsunami that explodes on everybody. So that's what it means literally, the water broke the enemy, and David's army was like a tsunami of water that blew the enemy away. Okay, that brings us to verse 21. sham et And the Philistines left there their images, their idols. David, Van Shav, And David and his men took them away. So the Philistines fled their army base, right? And when you flee, you leave everything behind. And they left their idols over there. And David's men took them and carried them off as a symbol of their victory. The same way that David took Goliath's sword and he paraded it around. That's what they did with the idols of the Philistines. Now the parallel verse in Chronicles says that they burned the idols with fire doesn't say they carry them away. It says they burn them with fire, which is the law because you're not allowed to derive any benefit from idols. You have to burn it. So if you want to combine here what it says in Chronicles, that means that David carried them, paraded them around. That's vayasem. That's what we have here. And then as it says in Chronicles, and he burned them with fire. He showed them around and then he burned them. And this is important. And that's why it's mentioned. Because this is a religious war too. It's not just a national one. It's not just over land. It's a religious struggle. Just like we have with the Arabs today. On a deeper level, the war with the Arabs is a religious war of Islam versus Judaism. Unfortunately, the Jews don't see it that way, but the Arabs do. And so that's why David trashes the Philistine idols. He wants to show the world, Kiddush Hashem, that the God of Israel is the real deal. Not only that, but it was a measure for measure because what it did is It avenged what the Philistines did to us. Back in Shmuel Aleph, I think it was chapter five, they defeated the Jewish army at Ebenezer and the Jews fled. And what happened? The Philistines, they took our ark, right? So this time it's the Philistines who flee. We take their religious symbol. We trash it. Again, because this is a religious war too, a war between the deities. Who's the real deal? Is it Dagon, the Philistine god? or the God of Israel. Okay, that was one battle. Now, we have another battle versus the Philistines in verse 22. And the Philistines came up yet again. the And they spread themselves out in the valley of Riphaim. Okay, so in this second battle, we have a pretty good idea where it took place, especially since we get more information in verse 25. So the Philistines spread their forces all over the area of Jerusalem. That's where Emek Rephaim is, right? And we know that they bring their forces also to northern Jerusalem. How do we know? Because in verse 25, it mentions Geva, which today is Adam. That's northern Jerusalem. That's where King Saul based his kingdom. So we know the Philistines are there too. And by the way, there's a big street in Jerusalem called Emek Rephaim, which is situated near... and it serves as one of the routes to reach Jerusalem from the south. So that all fits into what's going on here. We also have a settlement called Geva or Adam in northern Jerusalem. And that's what's so cool about living in Israel and learning Bible because all these places you run into in the Tanakh, even if you're not so good at geography, but since you see these places and pass these places every day, you know what they're talking about. And that's something you can't say, if you're learning in Queens or Brooklyn. Anyway, what the Philistines are trying to do, according to Rav Steingeltz, he says that they're trying to cut off southern Jerusalem. That's where Rephaim is. They set up in Rephaim. They're trying to cut that off from northern Jerusalem, which is Geva, which means they're cutting off Binyamin, who's in the northern part of Jerusalem, from Yehuda, who's in the southern part. And also by stationing themselves in Geva, in that northern part of Jerusalem, which today is the heir of Adam, what they're doing is they're cutting off Yehuda from Samaria, right? Samaria is Geva and then Beit El going north, that's Samaria. And south from that is Yehuda. So they're cutting off Judea from Samaria and and all this is to prevent David from uniting and unifying the kingdom. And that's what they did to King Saul. That last war where Saul fell It was in the north on Mount Gilboa. Why did the Philistines go to war over there? Because the same idea. They wanted to take over that northern area and cut it off from the rest of Saul's kingdom. If you conquer the north at Beit Shan and and northwards, you're cutting off the tribes of Naphtali and Zvulun. You're cutting them off from the rest of the kingdom. So that was his strategy then. And it's similar to what they're doing now. Okay, so what's David going to do now? Well, of course, he's going to inquire. Of Hashem. And David inquired of the Lord. He wanted to know what to do. This time he probably inquired through a prophet, not the one of the Tumim. And Hashem answered. He said, don't go up. Don't go after them. But rather circle around behind them. And then you attack them. In front of the mulberry trees. In Hebrew, is some sort of tree Let's call it for now a mulberry tree. It says in verse 24, And as soon as you hear the sound of marching on the top of the mulberry trees, or you hear the thistling of the mulberry trees, then go out quickly. For the Lord has now gone out before you to smite the Philistine army. Okay, so verse 23 and 24, we got to look at what is going on here. I mean, what's the strategy? And since when does Hashem give battle tactics? So let's go back to verse 23 again. Hashem says, Don't go this time. Not like last time when you attack them in verse 21. No, this time, don't go against them head on. Don't go Rosh rosh, as they say, Hazitit. Don't go against them head on. But what should you do? Hasev Take your men and circle around behind them. In Hebrew, it's called tnuat iguf, a flanking maneuver. From the flank, you make a circuit and then you will approach them from where the b'chaim are, which can be translated as mulberry trees. Nobody's sure what kind of trees they are, but there's some orchard over there with lots of these trees. Okay, so Hashem is telling David to attack from there. But this is the crazy part. Verse 24, what did it say? When you hear the sound of the marching troops in the tops of the trees, then you attack? What is that? Why is King David compelled to wage battle in this manner? Why not just go up against the Philistines in a direct battle like he did last time? Okay, so here we have lots of explanations. The Raubach says that the Philistines had regrouped their forces. And if it was a straight out battle, David would have been overpowered. So in order not to depend on miracles, he applied this strategy of attacking them from a different angle and a surprise type of thing from the flank. And why does he have to wait for the bristling of the trees before attacking? Because that way the trees are making noise and the Philistines won't hear the sounds of David's army coming towards them to attack them. Why? Because the sound of David's marching men will be drowned out by the trees. So according to that, That's the Bug and the Abarbanel, they hold that way. This is a military strategy going through natural means because we don't depend on miracles. But all the other commentaries, they say something else entirely different, almost the opposite. And they say that this is a test. Hashem is testing David. It's not going through natural means. So what is this thing that he has to wait for the sound of the bristling of the trees? What kind of voice or sound... Is he waiting for, and what kind of strategy is this anyway? So we're going to turn to Midrash Tehilim, the Midrash, and it says like this: A Korach Baruch said to David, rishut lefshot that you're not allowed to attack them, even if they're close to you, until you see the tops of the trees swaying." until you hear a rustling of the trees, only then can you attack. So Hashem wants David to wait. He's being told to wait purposely, not to attack the Philistines until he hears the rustling of these mulberry trees. So what has to happen is David's gonna wait there. The Philistines are going to be coming closer and closer to him. And only when he hears the top of the tree starting to move, only then he's allowed to attack. So what is this? this is a huge nisayon, it's a test. Because they're getting closer and closer. And if you wait too long, you lose your element of surprise. You lose your advantage. It's difficult to sit there and wait and wait and wait. Especially when the men around you are pressuring you and they're saying, you know, let's go, let's go. What are we waiting for? And you can lose the war. It's hard to just sit there and wait and wait. And what does this remind us of? This is the same way that Hashem tested Saul. Remember what happened? In Shmuel Aleph, chapter 13, Saul had to wait seven days. Also in his opening war against the Philistines, he had to wait for the prophet to show up and Saul didn't stand up to the test. We'll see that David does. David is commanded, don't you move until that moment they're supposed to move. And in a way, this is a tougher test than what Saul had because David's in the heat of the battle, you know? I mean, Saul had to wait for the prophet. The battle didn't start yet. Saul was with his men. They were scattering around them. It was not an easy test, but there wasn't a battle raging yet. David's in the heat of the battle. And so what's going on here is that these are tests of emuna, of faith. Hashem wants to see genuine faith. And David's got it and Saul doesn't. And that's why David's kingdom lasted and Saul's didn't. And it's not because David was more righteous who observed more mitzvahs than Saul. The opposite, Saul was super from and David stumbled in sins that Saul would never falter in. So it's not a matter of which one observed more mitzvahs. What matters is the heart. See, God wants your heart. And that's exactly what the prophet Shmuel said to Saul back in chapter 13, when Saul didn't wait those seven days and he was chastised by the prophet. And he said to Saul that the Lord seeks somebody of his own heart, Kilivavo. It's the heart that counts. He wants deep deep faith. And you have to prove that faith. It's all it's all about emuna and bitachon. I mean, what made David able to fight Goliath when nobody else would? What is that? We call it, well, I don't want to be vulgar, but you know, it's a word that starts with a b in English and also in Hebrew. It's a matter of bitachon, confidence and trust in Hashem. And that's something that transcends the mitzvot. Rabbi Ghana used to say that too many people believe in mitzvahs, but they don't believe in God, right? But the thing is, the source of all those mitzvot is the mitzvah to believe in Hashem. That's the source of it all. And how do you show it? You show it when the chips are down. When you have to do something that's not logical, like David and Saul had to do. But that's what Hashem wants. After all, we say in our prayers every morning, "Elo B'Rechev, Eilu besusim." That they come with chariots and horses, but we come in the name of Hashem. So, how do you prove that's not just a slogan? Only difficult tests like this. And so, in King Saul's first campaign against the Philistines, he was tested, and now Dove is being tested. These are tests of faith. Okay, let's continue with the verses and we see in the final verse that David indeed passes the test and David did so that is he didn't go out on the attack until he heard the sound of the rustling of those trees as Hashem commanded and he smote the Philistines from Geva that's northern Jerusalem until Gezer that is he chased them back to the south back to the hole where they came from and that's the last we're going to see of these Philistines for a while. And they've been a thorn in our sides ever since the days of the judges. The last judge, Samson, was killed by the Philistines. And then at the beginning of the book of Shmuel, the Philistines took the ark and they eventually killed Saul, right? They've been the major enemy of the Jewish people. You don't hear from the Canaanite nations. You don't hear from anybody else, really. The Philistines, they're the problem. And David here puts them down. Okay, so in summarizing this chapter, chapter five, basically we see that David's kingdom is on the rise. First, he conquers Jerusalem. Then we see that the nations acknowledge him. And then we see a major war against the chief rival, the Philistines, and David puts them out of action. And they become a non-factor after that. And we also see a tikkun in the chapter. David fixed a lot of things that had to be fixed. He did a tikkun for the destruction of Shiloh, which had been the place of the tabernacle and was destroyed. So David conquers Jerusalem, which is going to be the new place for the ark. Also, what's another tikkun? The ark in that war was captured by the Philistines. Remember, they killed Chofni and Pinchas and captured the ark and took it back to them, the land of the Philistines. Well, what does David do in this chapter? He revenges that by capturing the Philistine idols and burning them. And the final tikkun, of course, and the big one, the tikkun for Saul who in his first big war, wasn't able to go the distance. He didn't wait that full seven day period that the Prophet Shmuel told him to. He wasn't supposed to start the war until the Prophet showed up. He came up short, he lost the malchut on that. That was a test of faith and nothing else. But David here does the tikkun by not going straight out to the war, unlike Saul. He waits and he waits to the last possible second during the heat of a battle That can't be easy, but he waits until he hears the rustling of the trees, which is probably super symbolic. And then he goes on the attack, passes the test, and does the tikkun, and proves his emunah and bitachon and his worthiness to be the king of Israel. And we'll stop here.